My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Rez. Uh, my name is Father Ryan. If you haven't, if, if I don't know you, uh, welcome to Rez this morning. We're so glad you could be with us on this fourth Sunday of Advent. As you've probably heard right now, or, or, or by now, and already know, Advent is a season of waiting. Have you heard this before? Advent is all about waiting, about hoping and bidding for God to come into our lives, into our worlds. The Latin root for Advent is to come. We are waiting on God to come to us. And in this Advent season that shows up every year in our liturgical calendar, this season provides us space to reflect on this waiting. And that's what I want to do this morning, is to reflect on what is the nature of of our waiting uh, that we're invited into here in Advent. Our psalm that we chanted earlier reflects on this, or it, it gives voice to this waiting as the psalmist cries out, How long, O Lord, stir up your might and come to save us? We live in a, in a culture uh, that is, all, is fixated on the now. Everything is immediately at our fingertips. We We've got Netflix and Spotify and Amazon Prime and everything is just at the ready whenever and wherever we want. And so I think we need seasons like Advent to remind us that actually part of our calling as followers of Jesus is to wait. We are a people called to wait for our God to come. And so before I dig into our text today, I just want to ask or start out by asking a question. How is your waiting this Advent? Feels like, I don't know if, it's, if you're like me, right now we're in Advent 4, feels like it's blown past us. Like I feel like I, I can't believe it's already Advent 4, Christmas is coming this week. How is your waiting this Advent? How have you created space in your life for God to come? What are you waiting for? Have you had time this Advent season to reflect as so many of the Psalms do, but Psalm 130, it says, My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. How has your waiting been this Advent season? The context of our first reading uh, for today uh, came from the prophet Micah. And it's all about waiting. But it's not the kind of waiting that anyone would want. We read the hopeful part of the Micah reading for today. In, it, it, right before that, though, the verse before uh, the reading that you heard uh, spoken earlier is actually pr- the prophet Micah prophesying about a siege that is laid on Jerusalem. The Babylonian armies have come into Judah, surrounded the city, and now have laid siege to the city. The people of Jerusalem were literally waiting to run out of food and starve or to surrender. They were waiting in the city as the the armies were surrounding them. Israel to the north had already been destroyed by the Assyrians and now Judah was being overrun. And Micah prophesied that this waiting wouldn't just uh, end with this siege in Jerusalem, but it would actually extend out into exile into Babylon. So these people were waiting on the walls of Jerusalem in this moment, but they were also going to be waiting into the future as they, get, they got uh, sent into exile. That's where we read things like Psalm 137, by the river of Babylon, there we wept. The people of Israel knew all about waiting, and not necessarily in good ways. 
They longed to return to Jerusalem, for, for Jerusalem to be restored and for peace to come again to the land. And they waited because they clung to these prophecies like we heard in Micah today, where it says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Part of our Advent waiting, I think, this season is a remembering, a remembering, a, having a memory of this waiting of the people of Israel. Their own waiting for the Messiah to come is something I think it's important for us to, to, to hold on to during Advent. I think it's important for us to remember the waiting of these people who stood on the walls of Jerusalem, powerless and without hope, wondering what was to come of them. It is a past tense waiting, remembering and reflecting on all that had already been done, prophesied and fulfilled in Jesus. We wait differently, right? It's not the same kind of waiting as Israel because we know the fulfillment of those prophecies came in Jesus. And we, we celebrate all of that at the end of this week. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, of course, but, uh, because we're still in Advent, but we will celebrate the fulfillment of all that Israel had been waiting for. The hopes and fears of all the years were met in that little town of Bethlehem. The promised one, the Messiah, would come from this little town in Judah, and he would come to establish a kingdom of peace in the world. Like King David, this promised one would come to rule not out of some earthly, uh, physical, or political might and strength like Babylon or Rome, but would stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Unlike the people of, of Jerusalem under siege, our waiting is marked by a hope not in the promised one to come, but in the one who has already come. Our waiting is, is marked by this proclamation of the good news of Jesus, of the old, that the Old Testament prophecies have already been fulfilled in Jesus. It's hard. It's, it's like Advent 4 is this weird space because we're, we're kind of at the edge of Advent. We're kind of already tiptoeing into Christmas in all, all sorts of ways in these readings. But it may just be that yours and my Advent waiting this year, more than anything else, needs to be a remembering and a believing again that this Messiah King has come. That Christmas, we, we celebrate Christmas even on Advent 4. Our gospel reading today in Luke 1, again, just like in the Micah, the Micah text, gets us at the very edge of Advent here. This is the very last chapter of the story before Christmas. We actually read this in our Christmas pageant on Christmas Eve. So it's, it's kind of this crossover between Advent and Christmas in all sorts of ways because what we see in Luke 1 is this incredible spirit-filled encounter between these two women, Elizabeth and Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, proclaims Elizabeth. The child hasn't been born yet, but the incarnation is actually already here, right? Like, that's our reading for today. Is like, the incarnation is here, in, in the womb of Mary. John the Baptist even 
prophesies for the first time in utero, in, in Elizabeth's womb. John is prophesy, prophesying already by leaping as he recognizes the presence of the pregnant Mary. Just as women were the first to witness the resurrection of Jesus, these two women were the first to welcome in the incarnation of the Christ child into our world. And then in the final stage of Advent here in the hill country of Judah, we encounter this amazing, amazing song of Mary. You might have heard it as the Magnificat. It's been sung since the beginning of uh, the, the church, essentially. It's one of the oldest hymns that has been sung continually throughout the ages. And in this Magnificat, we witness this teenage girl full of anticipation from this news that the angel Gabriel announced to her. And now she rushes to Elizabeth. And they share this moment that just feels like just wonder and joy and excitement together in our gospel reading. And this is, Mary begins her own process of waiting, right? The beginning of her pregnancy as she waits for the next nine months. But this song of Mary, if you read it, if you actually read the song of Mary, it is not like sentimental, it's not Christmassy, it's not a holiday tune that uh, we often think of when we think of the holidays. Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually has this to say about the Song of Mary. He says, it is at once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent song ever sung. This is no gentle, tender, dreamy Mary who sometimes we see in paintings, things like that. This song has none of the sweet or nostalgic or even playful tones of a lot of our Christmas carols. Instead, this is what Bonhoeffer says, instead, it is a hard strong, inexorable song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he, is, he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. If you listen closely, the Magnificat functions both as this song of wonder and joy and exuberance between Elizabeth and Mary. There's, there is that in this song, but there's also this prophetic word happening here. She's speaking a word about the future of the world. Notice the differences between the verbs of our, our reading in Micah earlier and this song of Mary. In Micah, we hear the prophet saying, for From you shall come forth for me one. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock. And they shall dwell secure. But here in Mary's song, we get a, a different verb tense. Mary sings, He has looked upon the humble state of his servant. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. It's all in the past tense. This stuff, stuff has been done. So she's, she has a vision of the future of all of this happening. So what's changed? What, why did we move from this, the, these shalls in the Old Testament, in, in the Micah reading, shall come to has in the Song of Mary. Why, what's the shift there? I think the shift is, is the good news of Jesus. 
actually. The good news of Jesus that there's a miracle inside of Mary. This child where that because of this child, all of these childs from the Old Testament prophets are being fulfilled in her midst as she's singing. The promised one was here. Jesus' incarnation and then later his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the whole salvation story of God reconciling the world to himself and making the world right again was enacted. And, and she saw this vision of all of that happening, even, if, even though it wasn't all yet completed, right? This is an already not yet story here. Mary's song is a vision of the future already completed, but not yet fully realized. And as Elizabeth and Mary spend three months waiting together for Jesus and John to be born, we also wait together as Jesus comes again in the future. We wait for Jesus to come again. So part of our Advent waiting is actually a future tense waiting, a hopeful expectation and anticipation of this promised future that we hear in the Song of Mary. Bishop Oscar Romero of El Salvador once he preached a sermon about Mary, and he echoed this reality that, uh, from Mary's song uh, that's, that we find here in Luke 1. He says, The virgin's promise is intended to awaken in us an eschatological sense, a hope in the hereafter. The virgin's promise is intended to awaken in us a hope of the hereafter. Thus, the work on this earth, thus we work on this earth with our whole soul and our whole heart set on heaven. This is what I think Mary's song does for us. It, it gives us an eschatological vision of, of heaven and what, what is to come in the future in God's kingdom. And we set ourselves to, to have that vision of the kingdom. And so I wonder if yours and my Advent waiting this year more than anything, needs to be marked by a recentering of our whole soul, our whole heart, around this heavenly vision that Mary gives us. Where the proud are scattered and the mighty are brought low and the rich are sent away. Where the humble are exalted and the hungry fed and mercy abounds for those who fear him. I think about this, this idea of vision and I was thinking about this, this last week. Uh, there's a soccer coach in the English Premier League, I'm, I follow the English pr Premier League, I like soccer a lot, and there's a coach who I learned about recently who, he has this, this way of coaching, it's probably pretty common, I'm not like a coach, I don't know much about it, but um, I thought it was interesting, he, he takes his coach uh, each week, um, and his, one of his coaching tactics is to, to actually, without like defenders, like in their practices, he will start their practices by visualizing the entire game before they even like practice. So they, they go through and he, he tells which player to kick the ball forward and they move around. And, and he visualizes this all before they like do any kind of practicing. They don't have any defenders uh, practicing against them. It's all about starting with this kind of visualiz visualization process to help them understand this is how we want the game to go. He doesn't allow them to get ahead of that vision. And it helps shape and guide everything they do and it's it's it supposedly it's like a very like incredibly uh, an incredible way for them to kind of start out their practices with this kind of vision this visualization process and i wonder if our waiting in advent is a little bit like that i wonder if our waiting is all with all the anticipation and the excitement 
that builds as we get close to Christmas is an opportunity to do this work of visualizing the kingdom that we hear in in the Song of Mary. As we set our eyes on this heavenly vision of God's kingdom breaking into the world. And as we lay hold of this vision in our lives, we are invited not just to kind of visualize it and kind of sit around and hope for it to happen, but we're actually invited to participate, to seek this kingdom in our lives. This this kingdom vision that Mary speaks of. Part of our Advent waiting is not just a past tense remembering in Advent. Part of our Advent waiting is not just a future kind of catching this vision, but it's a present tense participating in the work of the kingdom in the here and now. We discern on this edge of Advent as we get close to Christmas here, how might we, we discern how we can participate in the life of the kingdom of God working in the world. I wonder if yours and my waiting this year needs to be marked by this active participation, this seeking and pursuing and aligning ourselves with this heavenly vision that Mary sets forth in the Song of Mary. We're called not just to remember what Jesus has done or sit and hope for a future realized that's prescribed here in Luke 1, but we are called to be transformed by this song. Oscar Romero goes on to say that this eschatological message of Mary is not just about the hereafter. So we, it is about the hereafter. We set our, our hearts and minds, our whole souls and our whole hearts around this, this vision of the kingdom. Yes, but this message is also about the here and now. It's about the work we are doing day to day to seek after this kingdom in our lives. Whereas we are invited into this season of waiting. And so I want to ask the question again that I asked at the beginning. How is your waiting this Advent? How have you created space in your life to wait for God to come? Does your waiting need to be marked by a past tense waiting, remembering the Messiah King and and holding that close this year? Is your wait, does your waiting need to be marked by that future vision that you just need to remember the vision again of God's kingdom breaking into the world? Or maybe your waiting needs to be marked by the present to, to, to daily commit to discerning how to follow Jesus in your life, how to follow Jesus in his kingdom as you seek to be transformed to be more like him. Let's take a few minutes to invite the Spirit to speak as we reflect on these questions. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.